Our psalm this morning is psalm number 70, verses 1 through 5. Please pray it with me. Be pleased, O God, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those who seek my life be put to shame and confounded. Let those who take pleasure in my misfortune draw back and be disgraced. Let those who say to me, aha, and gloat over me, turn back because of their shame. Let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation say forever, great is the Lord. But as for me, I am poor and needy. Come to me quickly, O God. You are my helper and my deliverer. O Lord, do not tarry. And our gospel reading this morning is from the gospel according to St. Matthew in the 25th chapter. And we're going to be sharing um, verses 1 through 13 this morning. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. This is the word of the Lord. In some ways, uh, Pastor Keith already set the tone for today's sermon. Discerning God's dream, living and giving bravely. So have that theme of this month in your hearts as we enter into the scripture texts for today and into our reflection of God's word and how God's word is moving um, in our midst today. I guess I want to start by saying that if any of you didn't know it before, I'm guessing that after this week we probably all can agree that waiting is hard that we really don't like waiting. And I will add to that, that I think that we who are the people of God know something about waiting, and we know that what we do while we're waiting matters. This week, we waited. We all knew, we all knew way before election day got here, that we would be waiting. We had been warned the results won't come right away. No matter what or how you expect, 
there will be waiting. And so some were agonized, some argued, some prayed, some were anxious, but we all waited. I want to be careful this morning not to make any uh, comparisons that are too tight between our nation's election process or the results of that process and the coming of Jesus. But I think the experience of waiting and what it does to us this week is something we can bring into today's gospel text. There's going to be a wedding. We all like weddings, right? The bridesmaids are ready and waiting. The groom's delay has kept everyone wondering how long. I've only done a few weddings where the bridegroom has been late, and I will tell you it's not a good experience. Everybody gets a bit anxious during that time. So they're waiting and waiting, and they're waiting so long that in fact the bridesmaids and probably other people all fall asleep. Finally, when he comes, half of the women still have oil in their lanterns and the other half do not. The half who do not have the oil ask the others to share and they're turned down. Um, and by the time they return, after having gone to the dealers in town to pick up oil, the wedding party is done. They can't get in anymore. We scratch our heads sometimes with this gospel lesson. What does it mean? I mean, why? Why do things transpire the way they do? Some commentators point out that the narrator of Matthew's gospel has already named these women, has already labeled them. Some of them are foolish and some of them are wise. So we go into the scripture lesson already with those kinds of thoughts in our head. And then we wonder, well, why do these wise women not share their oil? After all, we have been taught from the time we are tiny that if you have something, you share it. So what's that about? It's probably helpful, as it often is when we're looking at scripture, and particularly parables, that we go back a little bit in the gospel lesson. In the previous chapter, um, something is happening. Jesus has mentioned that the temple is going to be destroyed. And when he mentions this, his followers want to know more. They don't want to just wait and see what happens. They want to know when it will happen and what signs there will be. How can they prepare for this thing that will change their lives and their faith and their practice entirely? Jesus doesn't give them a calendar. Rather, Jesus warns them that many people will come and try to read signs and try to tell them what to look for, and there will be all kinds of false warnings. And Jesus says, but, but just be ready. And he describes through parables then that readiness or lack thereof. There's a whole series of these parables. Each of them kind of has this dynamic of those who get it and those who don't. And our lesson for today is one of them. I remember once a number of years ago, I was invited to a wedding 
um, it was going to be a very different wedding for me. It was um, in an Orthodox Jewish community in New Jersey. And the young woman who was getting married had worked with me. And so she had tried to prepare me for the wedding. She had told me that when I go in, um, this is what would happen. She had told me that the service would be in Hebrew, so I wouldn't really understand it. She had told me about what to wear and not what to wear. I went feeling like I was pretty ready. But when I entered, I realized that I had no idea where I was supposed to be. As a blessing, a woman came up to me and decided that she would be my host and my guide through the events of the evening. As the evening began, the bride and her attendants and her family sat and were greeted by the other women of the community. The men were somewhere else, but after a while, we were all invited into a room, and there we waited. We waited for the bridegroom, and we waited. And we waited. My companion, the one who was helping me to understand what was happening, said, oh, I can't believe that I didn't charge my cell phone. I wasn't expecting that at this wedding, but there it was. She said, you know, when we go to the party later, my cell phone is the way that I talk to my husband because the men will all be partying over here and the women over here. We usually text all through the, the, the time that we're together but I don't think I'm gonna have enough charge. She was anxious, she kept looking at her watch. The longer the wait got, the more she was looking at the charge on her phone. Finally, the bridegroom came, the wedding took place, and we all went to the party. She had a moment where she said to me, I think I'm just gonna step out for a few minutes and charge my phone. And then she said, you know what, the heck with it. And she put her phone in her purse and we went into the party and it was wonderful. And later in the evening, she said to me, you know, I don't think I've ever danced so hard. I've always just been there on my phone. It was an interesting thing for her to experience in a new way. It's so easy in this parable for us to put the focus on who amongst those 10 women did the right thing and who did the wrong thing. In that label, we already have the judgment call, don't we? And our experience blames them. If we are waiting for something, doggone it, we ought to be ready. We ought to be prepared. And if, in fact, we follow the metaphor and we think that what we are waiting for, that this groom is somehow an image of God in Jesus, how much more should we be ready for what is coming? How much sadder will we be if we are not able to enter the party? But what if we were to hear the text a little bit differently? Shift our focus just a touch. What if the foolishness in the text isn't that they ran out of oil? What if the foolishness is that what they were relying on was the oil. What if instead of having asked the others to share their oil and then going off and leaving the party, they had trusted that the host would allow them into the party 
even without the extra oil, and that the oil that the other women had would be plenty for everyone. What if the foolishness was entering into God's realm with a sense of what you don't have instead of recognizing that God's grace is about making what you do have abundant and wonderful and enough. What if those five women had not gone to town at all, but had simply recognized that they were welcome with whatever they had, or in fact, whatever they didn't have. What if we told the story with kingdom eyes? I know we've all had those moments of being or feeling unprepared and unready and empty. I know we have all been in a place where we feel that we don't have enough oil that our light can shine for one more minute, let alone be enough to shine in a darkness that might be enveloping us. But where do we seek to be replenished, to have our lamps filled? What if we are foolish only when we do not trust God's future, God's feast, God's love and replenishment. Over the next couple of weeks here at Upper Dublin Lutheran Church, we are going to, as a community of faith, look to our future. We are looking to our future because we are in a transition process and we are looking to our future because it's November, and so we begin to talk about that thing we call stewardship. If we approach this time simply as a time to think about whether or not our oil lamps read our treasury is full, maybe we'll have missed the fullness of the feast. This thing we call stewardship what we do with what we have and who we are in order to serve God and God's people is not about what we are lacking, but what we have. Not about what we need to go and seek, but about how we use the things with which we have already been blessed. Not only financial, but in so many different ways. How different stewardship looks when we approach it as discerning God's dream, knowing that we already live in the abundance of God's blessing. But here we are this year. And as we begin to take this step into God's future, COVID still frames our lives. We are together, but our temple is different. We are not it's not possible for us to be together in the same ways that we've come to rely on for fellowship and comfort, and we find ourselves waiting. And it seems like we have been waiting for too long, and we cannot imagine when the end will be, and we pray to God, show us the signs, and we do not see them, and maybe our oil feels a little depleted.
Maybe we are a bit fearful. Maybe we feel like we are sleepwalking. But here's what I can tell you, my beloved in the Lord. There is still a feast, and it is abundant, and we each and all of us are invited. And even if the ways we have done before, even if the resources we have had before have changed, we do not need to go somewhere else. We simply need to come into this feast to be replenished by our God. And we need to come together with whatever resources we have that God can use those in amazing ways for our future. And so we are gathered this month to discern God's dream. Interesting fact. It appears that during this COVID time, people are dreaming more. I don't know if that's been the fact for you. It has for me. But experts are saying that COVID is making people report that they are dreaming more and that their dreams are much more vivid. And so the experts say that in fact those dreams are one of the ways that our bodies and our brains compensate for the stress that we are under. That in these dreams, we are refueled to be able to handle the stress of each day that we're feeling during this COVID time. Hmm, imagine that. Imagine that God's dream and our discerning of it is using this time, this COVID time, this waiting time, this uncertain time to reinvigorate us, to wake us up, to blow the trumpet, to remind us that no matter where we are, what we have, who we are is the essence of the feast and the celebration. Wait. Wait for it. Pray on it. Listen for it. Discern it. God is doing new things even as we wait. Even though we hope for signs. Some have said, when will we go back to normal? And God responds, let me invite you into a new normal. Let me show you a new way of being abundant. Let me give you to hear my word in ways that will never let you go. This is God's vision. This is God's time. We do not need to have full lamps, but we do need to go into the feast and let God provide the abundance. What an amazing time for stewardship. A time when everything is new because we are waiting and normal is far away and lamps are empty and people are dreaming and God is giving God's vision into our dreams. People of God, here is our month, discerning God's dream so that living and giving 
may be brave and abundant in the Lord. And it is ours to do together, wherever and however we are gathered for God's feast. Amen.